When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there and welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. I'm your host, Adam Russell. Hello there as well. Spoiler alert, just because you see BD, you don't get to see Cal. But I'm your host, Ryan Key. Hey, I'm the other host. My name's Nick, and I'm very happy right now. (laughs) I I just watched it. I'm really happy. Feeling real good. Yeah. Thrilling. A thrilling Star Wars experience. Yeah. It's like, oh, wait, that's what's been missing from my life for the last, like, year? Okay, thanks. And also, that's almost better than any single episode of the actual Mandalorian. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's, that's top... Five? I mean, wait, Man. there's only 16 episodes, right? I would say that's probably top three without even really thinking about it. Yes. Yeah. That was very good. Yeah, kind of like the first one and the last one and yeah, then yeah. this, yeah. right? Like mm-hmm. the Grogu reveal, the Luke reveal, and then this episode would yeah. be top three for me. But. Yeah, I mean, Ahsoka, Luke, so. Oh, Ahsoka. Yeah. yeah. So maybe yeah. this is like True. fourth best. Yeah. I can get behind that. Still pretty good. Top five. Yeah. We're eye to eye on that take. 100%. You know what's good when we just jump right into Star Wars after the yeah. intros? <laughs> I mean, how can you not after that episode? Mm-hmm. Well, let's keep it moving because this one's going to be longer. Let's do some stolen plans. What have you done with those plans? The Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> By title only on this one. Sure. Chapter 5, Return of the Mandalorian. Dude. Disney Plus description, <laughs> an unexpected ally emerges. I mean... Was it that unexpected? That's better than usual, though. Yeah. yeah that's like... It, well, here's the problem. It's called Return of the Mandalorian. Like, they, <laughs> yeah. they almost had a good description, but yeah. they blew it with the title. Like, <laughs> they could have gone double cryptic, and it would have been like, oh, okay, okay, that doesn't just explain this show is about Boba Fett. No, dude, I got it. I got it. The usual intern. The unexpected ally is Fennec Shand. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. You know yeah, I mean? I mean, for sure. Because I don't. <laughs> at no point until the end of the episode do they mention Boba Fett. So I yeah. feel like there's only two choices here: Din or Fennec. And it, yeah, it makes more sense that it's Fennec. There it is. Solved. Release date: January twenty sixth, twenty twenty two. That's today. Directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, returning to the director's chair. I think you could tell. I think you could tell. Yeah. So good. This is her best, like crushing yeah. her yeah. her other stuff. Yeah, it was high level. I, I hope she gets a movie. Yeah. I hope they give her a movie. I mean, it's only getting better. And this was like 10 out of 10 production for Mandalorian. Like to me, I could tell that it was not Robert Rodriguez or Steph Green or whoever else, whoever the other person was that directed a, a Boba Fett episode. Like this seemed so much more cohesive and just overall better. Yeah. It was awesome. She's ready. Next level. What do you think? Keep going. Not derailing from stolen plants, but this just popped in my brain. I want to say it because I'll forget it because I had an edible earlier and I'm going to forget. (laughs) I just wanted to be in a really good place when I watched it because I knew everyone was freaking out about it. What do you think about the idea that there are Disney Plus features, feature films in the works that are not, you know, the quarter billion dollar budget films, right? Mm-hmm. But like maybe the Star Wars story idea sort of shifts like, okay, well, yeah, like we do get Solo too, but it's it's a Disney Plus exclusive, but but it's mm-hmm. a feature film. You know what I mean? They haven't really yeah. done that yet with anything because anything they've done has been anything they've done has been like a Disney release that's also been, <laughs> I say this loosely, in theaters because, mm-hmm. you know, Disney Plus, right? It, I mean, we've only had it since sort of like right around when the pandemic Mm -hmm. I don't remember when it launched exactly, but not that long before, right? I think it was a year before, right? 2019, yeah. Yeah, because Mando Mm -hmm. season one, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyways, I don't know. I just, that's what I'm talking, like, give, give Bryce Dallas Howard, like, a, a Star Wars story. Yeah. You know, she's, she's already, like, part of the team and the crew that's working on the, you know, for streaming, for television, air quotes, Disney Plus stuff. How cool would that be? Anyways, carry on. I think what will give us a better indication of whether or not that's possible will be 
if there are any Marvel actual features that go straight to Disney Plus without a theatrical release. That'll yep. happen first because they've got enough characters, you know? Yep. Written by John Favreau again on this one, starring our boy Pedro Pascal. There he is. And returning friend of the podcast, Emily Swallow as the armorer, Amy Sedaris as Pelimato. Crushing it. Yeah, dude, Pelimato <laughs> was the unexpected ally. Come on. Yeah, that's him. <laughs> yeah. Tate Fletcher as Paz Vizsla physically. John Favreau, the voice of Paz Vizsla, again. Knew it right away. Again. Yeah. There he is. But uncredited. It's so weird. He's just pulling the James Earl Jones. Yeah. Giving the credit to, uh, to Tate. And also, friend of the podcast, returning as Carson Teva, Paul Sun Young Lee. He must be so stoked. He's got to be you know, just all smiles. You know how stoked he is when they're like, hey, we're doing another show. Yeah. Come on, man. Two Hop guests of Thank the Maker were on I know. in this episode. I, know. I, couldn't, awesome. I couldn't think of anything else. So when we had him on the show, do you think that he had already filmed and he was really doing a great job not yeah. letting on that there was something going on? Yeah, had, had to have been. Right? He must have done that. Yeah, it already. wasn't even that long ago, right? Mm-hmm. When was that? Uh, the fall, right? September? Yeah, yeah, I was on tour, so it was September, I think. Yeah, I mean, had to have been done by then. Yeah. I do remember him saying there's something that he couldn't talk about, right? Yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, there it is. I okay. think he did. Yeah. And if he did. didn't, I'm happy to misremember that because it makes this cooler. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, they're always like a year ahead on this stuff, so. Mm. 51-minute runtime on this. I like these longer episodes. Thank Hell yeah. goodness. This one, I remember, I always check when I, uh, you know, I forget to check at the beginning. This one I checked and it was exactly halfway done and so much had happened that I was just like, oh my God, 25 minutes in and so much had happened already. And I was so, so pumped to be like, it's only halfway. Oh my God. I I felt like I was kind of watching a a feature because at the end of the 51 minutes, which would be sort of like you know, the end of act two in a film, I, I was like, no, 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 what? Wait, <laughs> yeah. wait, yeah. let's go see Grogu, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, having the longer episodes, just just speaking of that, we talked about last week a little bit without raining like, a, you know, a negative parade on anyone, but just, I, you know, I was talking about how much I've enjoyed the flashbacks and, and that I have sort of a stark contrast between my enjoyment of those versus the enjoyment of sort of the present, present day stuff they're showing, you know, of Boba and Fennec. Like I've just loved these, these flashback scenes, if we weren't getting these longer episodes, there wouldn't be room for all that, you know? So I'm super grateful that they've chosen to make this a little bit longer format. Hey, maybe, maybe that's your answer right there about doing feature films. Maybe we're getting them. We're just getting a four hour version of it or however much over a course of a a series, you know? Yeah. And to that point, you can do something where, you know, a Bryce Dallas Howard gets to direct the whole thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. So starting to do these limited series, Ahsoka, yeah. Obi-Wan, those like, h- however, they're going to keep going with those. I feel like those are probably, um, I don't know if you guys know this already, like who's slated for directing and everything, but I feel like those limited series are likely to be directed by the same person yeah. mm-hmm. all the way through. So Obi-Wan for sure is Deborah Chow. So yeah. So that, there you go. Think, so that's why I, I would, I just would mm-hmm. be so stoked to see Bryce Howard get something like that where she gets to do the whole thing because she's just killing it yeah well she's crushing it so nick any more thoughts any more first impressions um i mean first impression was really just it shows how much let me let me rephrase that it shows to me how little you can actually give us when it comes to explaining some things and having it still be impactful like yeah everything to do with like the night of a thousand tears and the purge and all this stuff was wrapped into what maybe two minutes of storytelling and footage but now we have the answers we don't need necessarily like a two-hour movie or four episodes to go through what really happened between the empire mandalore we got visually what happened and a lot of that was obviously implied just from just from a few lines from moff gideon and and bo-katan in the actual mandalorian series so it's really cool to kind of just have it be implied earlier in The Mandalorian and then just see one minute worth of footage of the destruction of Mandalore and be like, okay, that's what I've been wondering. That's what it looks like. Very sick. And then they get to concentrate on other things and other story building and other world building. So it was just so action packed and they did such a good job with pacing. And uh, I was I was just very impressed. 
And honestly, my feeling with this episode was like, they know what we want. They just haven't been really giving it to us yet with the Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> yet. Specifically. But it's going somewhere, obviously. Dude, this episode from the jump, right off the bat, like one second into it, I scooted up literally to the edge of my seat and I watched the whole thing like this. My hands like this. You know what I mean? Yeah. So into it. When the title card hit, I got choked up, dude. The music, like it, it just, it, it was amazing. Going back to Tatooine, even though we were just there last week, it was nostalgic already. And Mando coming there, it, it, I just, I, I love it. I, I'm starting to realize I have some nostalgia for desert places, desert cities and stuff. I'm on page 450-ish of Dune. So just give me all the sand, yeah, all the dude. coarseness. I'll take it. <laughs> I love I'm it, I'm almost dude. done with the book. Dudes, you got you to gotta read it. Sorry to derail that, but you got to read it. Carry on. It's, uh, it's just beautiful. I love it. And there's so much... George in this episode too. It, yeah. feel, it felt like such a tribute to him on so many levels. Yep. A tribute to the work that he's done in the past and the work that it seems like he would have continued to do if he wasn't old and tired and checked out. You know, everything about the space station, you know, that orbital ring seems like something George Halo, would have mean? wanted to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just all so good. And watching everything tied together now, this will, I'm going to step on my, uh, my predictions a little bit for later, but I'll talk more. It's like all coming together. It all feels like one series to me. The Book of Boba Fett and The Mandalorian, as the title suggests, you know, The Mandalorian is chapters. Mm -hmm. The Book of Boba Fett is another little set of chapters, right? It's all one big story about Mandalore that's all coming to live action now. And it ties in with Ahsoka, obviously, ties in with Maul and Kira and Crimson Dawn, like all of that stuff. It's all one giant story. Like everything else we got before was all... Skywalker saga or adjacent to the Skywalker saga. This is now everything that Dave Filoni and George were telling through animation, creating its own lane and its own little offshoots. And it's, it feels amazing. I love it. Don't forget though. It's probably all going to lead into the sequel trilogy too. Yeah. You know, like there's going to be, I hope so. Obvious lanes. I mean, it seems likely to me at this point, Uh, but I mean, I hope they tie it to it in a meaningful way that, that, Mm -hmm. Uh, for lack of a better way to say this, like stands up for the sequel trilogy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I hope they do that. I hope they in some way almost lean into it at the end. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I, I think that they've done that twice in Star Wars. Like even when George was around, the prequels enhanced some of the meaning behind the originals. And then in a secondary sense, the Clone Wars did that to the prequels. So mm-hmm. it just seems like it's been done before. So they should just keep doing that. And now they have like... They could just do it with live action instead of animation, which is great. All right, let's do an overview real quick. Main points, we won't get too heavy into the actual plot. We're going to keep this brief like we've been doing. So we open with Din Djarin showing up at a meat packing place. Yep. Love their beanies. Yeah. <laughs> beanies in space. Yeah. Nick loves that, you know? It's so good. I'm literally wearing one right now. Don't think I didn't notice that. I was like, oh, dude, tight. <laughs> you look good in beanies, and Thanks. I hate it because I don't. It, I, if it, they can't be over my ears, mm. and then when they're under your ears, you look like such a dweeb. <laughs> I, like, it just doesn't. If I'm not <laughs> snowboarding with, like, goggles and something, you just are, you're one of those dudes who can just, like, rip a beanie. Like, I'm hey. supposed to be wearing a beanie, you know? If you learned anything from this last episode, don't fight it, man. You have to work with it. <laughs> well, I look like a goober, and you look cool. <laughs> Anyways, beanies in space. So Din's back to bounty hunting, wielding the dark saber, and not just carrying the thing, dude. The way he pulled it out with confidence, not like, "Ooh, should I use it?" It was no. Here it comes. Somebody's about to get chopped in half. So that fight goes down. He delivers the bounty, the head in a bag, returns to the armorer's new Mandalorian covert new location on this orbital ring thing. Only three of the covert remain, Din, the armorer, and Paz Vizsla. Din gives up his Beskar spear to be forged into armor for foundlings, mainly Grogu. Has the armorer forged something for Grogu? Chainmail, maybe? A little necklace? Looks something? like it. Yeah, I couldn't tell. One or the other, yes. And guaranteed we will see more Grogu now because whatever he's wearing, you know, in 10 years when we're talking about whatever we're talking about on this podcast he's still going to be wearing whatever it is that he's about to give him. That little package was so small, all I could think of it was like a sweater for my dog, you know, like a little <laughs> tiny thing, like little shoes, you know. They have a conversation about Bo-Katan, which we'll talk about more later. There's a big flashback, which is the first time we've ever done this kind of flashback in this fullness. I, I mean, I guess aside from the flashbacks to Din being found 
by the Mandalorians as a foundling. Big thing on the Great Purge. Pez Vizsla then challenges Din for ownership of the Darksaber, loses the fight to Din. Din keeps the saber. The armorer then hits Din with the question, have you ever taken off your helmet? Din says yes. He's disgraced, banished from the covert. You are a Mandalorian no more, she says. It is so very much sneaking in an extra episode of The Mandalorian. Like, yeah. We're only budgeted for this, but we're going <laughs> to just throw one more in so that we don't have to do a setup episode in season three. Yeah. Because now season three is set up. Maybe that's why it's a random seven episodes instead of it being six or eight. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> they're just like, how about six? But I mean, well, now it's just set up. He has to go to the mines on Mandalore. Yeah. Like that's what's that's yeah. season three. Amazing. The only forgiveness is found below the caves of Mandalore, she said. But Mandalore screwed. So he's like, um, I guess bye. Um, I'm done now, but leaves with the Darksaber. He then returns to Tatooine to get a new ship, meets up with Peli Mato in Mos Eisley. Peli offers him a Naboo Starfighter, total piece of junk, half-scrapped. It's completely non-functional. So they rebuild it together. They end up putting a little, instead of the the astromech spot in the back, it's a little cockpit, very conveniently (laughs) Grogu-sized. Din takes it for a test flight, turns out to be super fast, runs into some new Republic officers in X-Wings, including Carson Teva. And escapes from them when he hits the induction intake charger, you know, Fast and Furious NAS style. <laughs> Returns to Moss Eisley. Fennec Shan shows up, offers Din to work with Boba. Din says, keep the credits on the house. But first, I need to pay a visit to a little friend. I faked myself out when she was about to show him the, the Starfighter because... Mm-hmm. It looked like a pod racer under the... Uh, Dude, same. 100% thought that's what it was. And so I faked myself out because in my head, I'm like, a pod racer, that's so dumb that it's going to be a pod racer. That seemed so forced to me. And then it wasn't a pod racer. So I like got extra excited. <laughs> I think that was a little deliberate. You yeah, know, like we yeah. already know they're doing all of these cool throwbacks and paying homage to so many aspects of the past stories of Star Wars. Like, so having that, car cover that drape over it yeah it could have been either one and i i thought the same thing but it's funny nick i you know me being the uh not prequel apologist that i am i didn't think like oh that's dumb i i Mm -hmm. I don't know i was kind of like huh like is he it can't go into space so what's gonna happen like is are we gonna get a ripping pod race scene that like (laughs) kind of makes someone like me go like oh yeah pod racing is pretty, yeah, yeah. pretty freaking cool you know like to me it wasn't dumb that it was a pod racer it was dumb in a practical sense i'm like what's right. he gonna do with a pod racer yeah, yeah, yeah. can't take yeah. that space <laughs> i think maybe now that i'm trying to remember my thoughts as i watched it maybe i thought like it could have been like a modded pod racer or something mm. you know I, yeah, like yeah. but either way what we got was uh you know adam you you touched on this earlier just like paying tribute to george and the prequels and in how rad, you know, like, yeah, I was misty and I, oh, dude, same. you know, the prequels don't make me misty, but I, I was misty. I was like, wow. I said to my mom, she was in the kitchen, like doing stuff while I was watching it. And I, I just said, star Wars is so awesome. You know, <laughs> I'm misty now thinking about it. God, dude. Yeah. Over and over this whole episode. I, I just, the hits kept coming. All right. Let's discuss. As I said before, this is all one big story. I'm just, I'm, I'm seeing the shape of the agents coming out of the matrix. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's happening. Let's talk about Din a little bit. So this opening scene, our boy was ruthless. Like he's going through some emotional stuff. He's back to his old ways, but not just back to his old ways. Like he, I mean, he drops the line. I can bring you in warmer. I can bring you in cold, but the way he cut that dude in half, he's not dealing with, with the loss of Grogu very well. I like pushing the envelope of what's Star Wars right there, too. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. The violence in that scene. Mm-hmm. And I also like what we found out later, and, and you guys being the encyclopedias that you are, correct me if, you're, if, I'm, if I'm missing this. Have we learned previously in the Clone Wars or anywhere else that there is a weight to the Darksaber? No. That, that if you're not properly... And okay, so we learn later in the episode about that right and so then you think back after you finish the episode about how he was sort of imperfectly using it in that first scene and he injured himself with his own weapon and i remember thinking like that's a that's a little weird like din would never he he would never mess up that bad it wasn't like Mm -hmm. someone knocked it into his leg he he just held it there and it yeah and it it rested on his leg and burned the shit out of him right so 
learning later, and I think this is one of my favorite parts of the episode, was the armorer is telling him, your body is strong, but your mind is distracted. And mm-hmm. this this thing is going to feel lighter in your hands if you're able to control it with your mind. And she's, she also talks about the force and Jedi having no attachment. Like that is starting to creep in. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about at length how many characters in this universe are force sensitive. The obvious ones like Finn, but how many others? What if Din... You know, if he's able to start controlling this thing, that means that he's able to control it with his mind, which means he's force sensitive, which he's going to meet back up with Grogu. Like there's something going on here, I think. Yeah, I I was just shocked with the violence because we're so at this point, how many times have we been like, ah, you can't really kill people. It's Disney Star Wars, you know, and it's just like, oh, okay, (laughs) all right, just chop him in half, uh, carry his head around like, yeah, I mean, there's that thing about how lightsabers and blasters don't bleed, right? Don't cause there's there's no bleeding, mm-hmm, right? Yeah. It cauterizes the wound immediately, and that helps. But like that doesn't mean that you're not getting sliced in half. And I'm not just talking about the 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 bounty on the table. The dudes he was fighting, he straight was like ripping their <laughs> guts mm-hmm. open with the yeah. with the dark saber. I mean, it was it was a very violent fight scene, and I loved it. Yeah, blood dripping from the bag. Patrick mentioned. Yeah, it was brutal. And also, when he cut the dude in half, it's not like, you know, the cantina scene in A New Hope where you just see the arm. Like yeah. a cutaway. Yeah. yeah. You could see the body, like, divide in half as it <laughs> yeah. fell, you know? But then he had to go back and cut his head off, right? That's implied. Because <laughs> he yeah. has the dude's head. I was wondering, as that was about to happen, I was like, well, which half does he bring back? Mm. Like, does he drag out, you know, like a bag, like, on the ground? But, nope, just the head. Dude, I will mention, though, um, there's an episode maybe in a couple episodes of Rebels where Sabine is trying to use the Darksaber, trying to learn how to use it. Kanan's trying to teach her and she's having trouble. Mm -hmm. You know, she's not a Jedi. She's not a force user. So he's teaching her in a similar way that the armorer, like Stacy mentioned, was sort of his Yoda in that moment. Same kind of thing. You know, you're forcing it. You're not connecting with it. You're fighting it. Don't fight it. Feel the force flow through you. Same kind of thing. Yep. We also learned... Beskar dents and or pierces Beskar. So we asked that question a couple weeks ago about how did we get dents on anyone's Beskar armor? I I I guess from combat with other Mandalorians? That or, I mean, as long as it's still canon that Cad Bane dented Boba's helmet, maybe he had like a Beskar bullet or something of that nature. Or just enough of a blast, I guess. Yeah. We'll do it in that case. But yeah, because I was paying really close attention actually to... Paz Vizsla's armor mm-hmm. after I noticed he's got dents all over the place. Hmm. Well, they fight each other. I mean, yeah, that's there the you thing. go. There's, yeah. you know, that's the, testing each other's honor through combat. It's like weapons being part of their religion. All right. The Bo-Katan and Mandalore backstory reveal that we talked about. Bo-Katan was gifted the Darksaber. So the question that we had at the end of Mandalorian season two was, how did she lose it? What changed? Yeah. Right. If the Great Purge just... You know, I mean, did that's a question I have for the encyclopedia brains. Did we always know that that if if so, she says, as foretold in the creed, if someone has the saber and they didn't win it by combat, you know, the prophecy, the creed states Mandalore will be completely destroyed. Yeah. We've never heard that before. Right. No, that's new. Uh, I don't think like so. that's tying this together. It's tying it all together. Yeah. Retconning or not that Bo-Katan was gifted it and therefore mm-hmm. the empire wipes out. Mandalore, the prophecy comes true. Yeah, and she, she, the armorer kind of, uh, well, didn't kind of, she definitely said that the remaining Mandalorians blamed Bo-Katan for what happened because almost like as if it was a curse, she took the, the dark saber without earning it. Yeah. So Mandalore was cursed and that's why that happened, which is, which is cool. It's a really cool way to explain that to us. Yeah. I assume then, I don't know if there was a fight between Bo-Katan and Moff Gideon, but he, I don't see him beating her in combat, but you never know. But dude, the way he wielded that thing, yeah. I mean, he didn't hold it like, like Pez Vizsla. He wasn't struggling mm-hmm. to hold it up. He, he wielded it like he knew what he was doing. Yeah. I think it was either that or, and maybe we'll never see this, but Mandalore is destroyed Bur- the rubble is burning and there's like an epic Spielberg shot of Moff Gideon reaching down and pulling the dark saber from the rubble, you know, like 
in my mind, that's okay for how he got it. Like he, he ran the mission. He was in charge of, you know, of the raid on Mandalore, maybe. I don't know. That's right. kind of what, what I would tell myself or that's the movie I would want to see. Right. The, the armorer, from her perspective, she fully blames House Kreez, like she said. Mm-hmm. She has a great quote. She says, her rule ended in tragedy. They lost their way and we lost our world. So the children of the watch, a.k.a. Death Watch, a.k.a. the lineage that survived, or at least the ones we've seen, they survived because they were on the moon of Concordia. So when all the carpet bombing and everything happened and they destroyed Mandalore, I guess they didn't go after the moon. I don't know if they didn't know that anyone lived there, which would be weird, but nonetheless, that's how they survived. I wonder if they gave them a pass because, I mean, Death Watch was, they're kind of punks, you know? They were also a small band of rebels, you know, and they like to hide out on moons where nobody knows they are. (laughs) And this whole thing, as Nick mentioned earlier, was called the Night of a Thousand Tears, which is an amazing name for something. Please call the new story of the year record Night of a Thousand Tears. (laughs) That's a great idea. I feel like millions of people died, though. How is it only a thousand tears? A thousand tears each, dog. Uh Yeah. The stars will cry the blackest tears tonight. (laughs) Uh, We talked about the, the saber needing... A connection, not just strength. Din taking public transport. Yeah, so great. <laughs> Loved that. This is hilarious. On a galactic star cruiser, if you will. Yeah. What was crazy to me was the, they showed his like day-to-day bounty hunting, you know, and they showed him like walking and getting on an elevator, sitting there. But the actual background of like the halo and everything was legitimately breathtaking that yeah. I didn't mind how like they were showing the mundaneness of bounty hunting mm-hmm. because I was honestly not looking at him because the background yeah. was some of the most beautiful Star Wars scenery that I've ever seen. Yes. Yeah, this episode was just visually overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Like how you could see the the atmosphere that was being created on the Halo. Yeah. Yes. You know, we're just going to call it the Halo. That's right. <laughs> Which doesn't bother me. That's another, I'm sure there's someone on the internet, I haven't looked, that's all up in arms talking shit about the halo, right? Well, yeah. it looks very similar to uh, Elysium. Or Elysium or uh, the Interstellar at the end, you know, mm-hmm. the circular sort of. But but I want it to be Halo. I want <laughs> it to be Favreau being like, God, I love playing Halo. Can <laughs> I get that in? And I hope that he just wanted to do something cool with Halo. I mean, it is. I like it. It is an old sci-fi concept. I think Asimov maybe described it in an older novel. But it's something that big franchises like Halo have run with. I think that's probably the first like legit visualization of it in pop culture that I can think of. But lastly, on that public transport thing, the Rodian kid yeah, sitting up on the back of the seat, like such a movie trope, but it worked so well to make him think of Grogu and pull on the heartstrings. That was dope. And you could say, oh, come on. Like the same kid is in a window seat on another flight at the same time when Din takes the, his ship out for a test flight. You could say that. However, our friend of the pod, Ashley Eckstein, would not be on this show if I hadn't sat next to her on a plane once and then three <laughs> days later also sat next to her on a plane again. Yep. So it can happen. It happens. There that kid was in that window and there Din was on his ship. Last little thing I want to talk about before we get into the Den. Loyalty and solidarity are the way. The idea that the fundamentals of the watch or the children of the watch are in stark contrast to the way that the Jedi see things. So they are about attachment fully. That is their thing. It's about keeping their clan together, keeping their those who adhere to their creed together. It's not about relinquishing attachment. And you can like you can see a switch kind of flip for Din in that moment where he's like, "Well, Jedi think this." And she's like, "Well, how about this?" And that I feel like that just at that very moment he's set on a new path. Yeah, he's bummed. He's getting ostracized, but I don't think that matters to him anymore. It's like when somebody kind of loses their religion and, you know, on earth. That's Din in the corner. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, you know, I went to Catholic school for 12 years. I had all of that tradition, all that just like burned into my brain, all that Catholic guilt that took years to shake before I kind of landed on what I believe as an adult. So here it is on screen. Do you think that, okay, so clearly he's upset that he's quote unquote, not Mandalorian anymore per this specific creed, there's no way he's, we're never seeing his face again. So there's got to be another conflict where he's like, you know what, armorer? I'm taking my helmet off, man. Well, 
let me throw this out then. Now that you say that, this is just my brain working in the moment here. Confirmed or not, his issues with screen time, mm-hmm. like that have been talked about. And some people say, no, that's just rumors. And But the idea that the actor is not happy that he has to wear a mask all the time. Certainly possible that the creators of the show have found a way to write into the show that he doesn't have to wear a helmet anymore. He can wear it in combat, but I'm just saying like we could get a season three of Mando now where when not fighting, we actually get Pedro Pascal in all the scenes Yeah, because he may be on a different path. So look, this could go either way, right? He said, but the mines of Mandalore are all, it was mines, right? Mines or caves or yeah, something. I, th- yeah. I think it was, mines, I yeah. think he said mines. The, she said the waters in the mines of Mandalore yeah. mm-hmm. and he says, you know, the, but the mines are destroyed and she just says, this is the way. So either we get some pilgrimage, right, where he goes to these mines to cleanse himself in these waters, or that was like, full stop. This is how you do it. Well, but they're just, they're destroyed. Exactly. This is the way. That means you can't. You're done. You can't be redeemed. You can't yeah. be cleansed and become Mandalorian again. So I'm here for that. I, I don't know if that's the way it will go, but if we get a, a season three where we are actually seeing Pedro Pascal in, you know, the scenes, the non-combat scenes... They just tied that off with a beautiful little bow, and I'm. it will work perfectly for me. Love it. Also, if his path is going to Grogu and seeing Luke again, and if any of that is possible, realizing he's Force-sensitive in a way to control the Darksaber, like all, if that's him going away from, from the Mandalore religion, then... Dude, hold great. up. Great. I have so many thoughts. Uh, okay, hold <laughs> on. Share them. I, well, let, let's, let's, holding. let's do it at the end. Uh, I have to type, type down this note before I forget it. Holy shit. Oh, what a thought. Okay. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. For over a thousand generations. It is the dark saber. Oh gosh. It's a Calicore. A Sith wayfinder. Dark science. Cloning. Secrets only the Sith knew. So much on this one. So many little nuggets. There are lots of new species in this one, especially on that that orbital ring, I didn't have time to go look any of them up. The one in the elevator looked brand new to me. The bird head one looked brand new. Some of them may have been in comics. I don't know. They're just a lot. So I don't have anything. I don't have any information other than that, other than to say they're amazing. What about that like dragony thing that was like, like, well, I've never <laughs> yeah. seen that thing before. Yeah. <laughs> it also sounded like it was like choking when it did it. It was like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great. The songs of eons past foretold of the mythosaur rising up to herald a new age of Mandalore. Sadly, it only exists in legends. That's the most meta line in all of Star Wars. I legit chuckled. Yeah. I was like, damn, just saying saying it right now. You're just literally saying legends because it makes sense, but also they're like legends like the books like come on yeah that was so dope <laughs> so funny but what's great is for 90 percent of star wars watchers they're just like oh that sounds cool totally. they didn't they didn't get the metal layer so it's yeah it's a little gift to us nerds that is Faloni just being like Haha, yeah that's great <laughs> throw that one in there he really is kind of beavis isn't he <laughs> all right the great purge flashback to me this was like the perfect marriage of bryce dallas howard being not much older than us also taking the Terminator series and mixing it with all the World War II influence that George brought into Star Wars at the beginning and just laying it all out. The bombers were breathtaking. Oh, dude. dude. I just got goosebumps just like thinking of it. The atomic bombs, the TIE bombers doing that like World War II carpet bombing kind of thing looked so much like the aerial HK hunter killers from Terminator. You know, those, mm-hmm. those kind of with the rotating engines, just something about the dual cockpits. The Viper probe droids, like, had that same kind of vibe, also a little Matrix vibe in there. And then the K-series security droids, like K2SO, walking through, like, backlit by the fire, walking through the smoke and the rubble, straight up 
Terminator T-800s blasting humans, dude. Unreal. I was so pumped. It was great. And it was quick, impactful. So cool. The Mandalorian power shield in live action. First time. Yeah, I was wondering when we were going to see that. I figured Bo-Katan would have been maybe the first one to use one of those, but pretty cool. How about the Vibroblade? Have we seen it actually move like that? We've only seen it. Yeah, we've seen it for sure vibrate like that. Okay. Like there's been shot like shots of it in in his hand doing its thing. Okay. Yeah. But brief ones. I don't right? think I've ever seen it held at anyone's throat before, but right. we've definitely seen it doing its thing. Dude, it, you know what it had? There's a look to that vibration kind of thing that was very much like uh, going back to Dune again. Their, their shields. Yes. When they, it almost had a, it was almost illuminated in a way. Yeah. Rex droids everywhere now. Yeah. <laughs> they're doing TSA check-in. They're <laughs> DJs. They're at bars. I'm so glad that they're becoming as common. It, it seems like at least in this version of the universe, they're as common as like astromechs. They're everywhere. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Okay. This next one, I can't wait to find out in the Disney gallery. Can't wait to have my suspicion confirmed. But that transport on the halo and then certain parts of that halo orbital ring had to be practical props shot traditionally, right? Did, did you catch any of that? It's like the way be, uh, that stark mix. light was hitting. Yeah, it looked so good. You mean like how people were walking up the ramps and stuff? Like No, I mean like the like the prop. Imagine like a three-foot model of that transport. Oh, yeah. And yeah, like yeah. a tabletop of those certain parts. Right. It just looked too good to not be. And you know they love doing that shit and finding an opportunity to do it. This is the first and maybe only time in this series where they're doing anything in space. So I hope it's real. I hope it's practical. Uh, did we mention earlier that the, the little pouch with the, the best garnet for Grogu? No, we didn't mention that. Looks all tied up. Looks like a little Grogu head. Like, come on. So good. It's the cutest thing I've seen all day. Yeah. R5 we saw on Tatooine still working for Peli. That was pretty dope. Oh, you mean the most important droid in the history of Star Wars? Yeah. yeah. There is, there's a moment right when he shows up and Pelly's getting dragged off by that, whatever that little animal is, where she goes behind that, I don't know, that little workstation there. And she's like, help! She's getting dragged, you know? This being Bryce Dallas Howard, I would say confidently that's a Jurassic Park reference to like the, the kitchen <laughs> and also the, uh, the cage at the beginning, yeah. you know, getting pulled into the cage by the T-Rex or the Velociraptor, you know? It's definitely, you know, like a horror trope. That's, you know, an alien thing. That's, a, you know, those kind of horror suspense movies. But we'll, we'll call it Jurassic Park since it's Bryce Dallas Howard. The BD droid in Pelly's shop. That can't be BD-1 himself. That's a class of droids that have been around. For, I mean, first seen in Fallen Order, but, well, but what if it is? But here's the thing. R5, R2, they're called by the number in addition, right? Mm-hmm. Like in, in canon and legends, that's how they're referred to. Imperial droids, we don't really know. Does there, is every one of them called K and then the three characters after? In Fallen Order, Cal only refers to him as BD. Yeah. BD, 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 all the time. And Pelly calls him BD. That's why I thought, hmm, there's some cool story here how BD won. In Fallen Order, it's BD won. How he got to Moss Eisley. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying, like, it's very deliberate for her to be like, BD. Are you yeah. okay? It sounds exactly the way Cal calls him in Fallen Order. Well, what happens at the end of Fallen Order, Ryan? I don't, I'm not there yet. Oh. They did announce a sequel, so I'm not sure. They just announced that Fallen Order 2 is coming yep. out. And the first person shooter? Come yeah. on. If it is indeed BD, like, that's very good foreshadowing to have Cal be in this universe eventually. And of all of the characters that we talk about, like the actual actors being alive and whatever needing to be like de-aged or made to look older, whatever it is, like that dude is just a young person and they'd probably need to what age him 15 years. Like what's fallen order to now? Like that's not that long, you know, like they'd probably just have to make him look a little older or just wait a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, again, I, I don't know. I have, I'm not at the end. Um, I actually did finally pick it up and start playing it again. Um, and I, I decided to just do it in story mode, which is like the easiest possible way to get mm-hmm. to the end of the game. Cause I just don't have time. I, yeah. It's not that I don't want the challenge. I just want to know what the story is. So I got back into it, but um, <laughs> I seriously <laughs> doubt at the end of it that, you know, BD is like destroyed, you know, yeah. he's such a cute little dude. He doesn't die at the end. I played that game in story mode for two hours once, like at the beginning of the pandemic, basically. And even story mode was too 
like gave me so much anxiety I, that I never played it again. I was like, I can't, I can't play a Star Wars game that is canon. Like, I'm not having fun. I'm paying too much. To, like, I'm worried about shit. Like, I can't. I just can't. What if I fail? What's going to happen to my little buddy? Yeah, exactly. It's so awesome, man. All right, moving on. The archway outside on the outskirts of Mos Eisley. I thought we were on. I thought we were on the planet you're about to say. Dude, same. It's just like the one on Jakku. So yep. I didn't notice that. It's just like, it's like it's out by the where the Falcon is parked, you know. Yeah. That's mine. It's in that <laughs> scene. But uh, when when the transport was landing or the Galactic Star Cruiser was landing, uh, I, w- I was like, oh, my God, we're on Jakku. They're going to Jakku like this is happening. It must be a desert thing. I wonder if it's a moisture evaporator. Oh, dude, it might just be a water tank. Like you see in a town that says, you know, Springfield on it or some shit. Yeah, something right? like that. Yo, can I just take this opportunity to solicit anyone who's listening and anyone who they want to tell to, to round up a group of folks, whether it's a Facebook group or whatever. I'm not on Facebook, so that would suck. Pick something else. <laughs> to decide to invest some money in just making a town in the middle of the desert. Like who, who owns some land in like Northern Arizona where it's not too brutally hot, where we can go make a Tatooine, just make one strip, like a, like a town square, like a, you know, a main street, just build a bunch of buildings and just like live there. (laughs) You're, you're Adam, you're just going to fit this into your schedule of other things, right? You're going to be in Arizona building a town. (laughs) I'll just move there. (laughs) My wife likes warm places. We'll just move there. Somebody help me make it happen. Moving on the N1 Starfighter. The uh, the Naboo starfighter that we talked about earlier, we learned some things about this ship. So it's pre-Empire, as we know, but that means it's off-grid, just like the Razor Crest. Handmade, no droids, they said. Can jump to hyperspace without a docking ring. So even, you know, back then the Jedi starfighters had to do the thing that, you know, when Obi-Wan went to Kamino and Geonosis, you don't need that. They had it figured out on, on Naboo. Yeah. You can just go straight to light speed with a, with a ship that small. Also... J-type pulse engines in that thing. Padme's Naboo cruiser was a J-type Nubian starship. Same stuff. That's fun. They're really going for it on this show with new phrases and slang terms and stuff. <laughs> no skin off my dip swap, <laughs> Pelly says. <laughs> then says, it's faster than a father. Father being the, those kind of like racehorse kind of animals from The Last Jedi. While fixing the N1, Din says, higher. Just a little higher. I yeah. loved it. <laughs> Just like Lando in the Sarlacc. That's so random. Like, yeah, it was that's so, so good. So good, but like immediately. Because I, I remember us talking about Return of the Jedi, like the first act having a rhythm to things. So these things get like stuck in your head as if they're melodies. And like yeah. Lando's being higher. Just a little higher. I'm like, mm-hmm. there's only one way to say that. And then he said <laughs> yeah. it exactly the same way. Yeah. You know, they were sitting there on set and that that line came whether or not Bryce Dallas Howard heard it Favreau or Filoni was like oh dude say it like Lando say it like Lando bro you know in this in that same line he also said I can't see anything I'm doing so it's almost like oh, a dude. like a throwback to yes. both things at the same time yes blind Han and Lando I thought you were blind <laughs> I can see a lot better now <laughs> did you know that Jawas are furry I did not we know now that's according to Pelly, and if she dated one, she's been under the cloak. So <laughs> her and her dip swap. Yep. And she also says Jawas could find a scud in a krill pond. Is a krill pond? That's from uh, the uh, the Stargate episode, right? You know, the, or whatever. Yeah, like the blue shrimp, basically. Yeah, I'm gonna guess that's what those are. And that was Bryce Dallas Howard's as well, right? Yep. Sick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Throwback. The part. This one is awesome. I was so pumped about this. The part that the Jawas stole off the Pike ship, that long cylinder that they end up putting in the Starfighter. Immediately. Dude. I recognized it immediately. I'm making one of those. I said it to my mom. I said, mom, that's the thing they, the trash compactor. My parents love Star Wars, so she knows the scene I'm talking about, but she wouldn't have known that. And she was just like, God, you're such a nerd. (laughs) What did we do? You're such a nerd. What did we do? Cool, that's the thing from that one thing. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Cool, that's the pole. (laughs) <laughs> it's the pull from the movie from 40 years ago, 45 years ago. And then I'm like, I hope they make that pole as a toy. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the Black Series trash compactor pole? Yeah. I mean, it's really distinct looking though, you know? It's it's it got the those... name too. They call it in the show. They they 
they say whatever part it is. I'm making one of those though. I'm I'm going to Home Depot this week and I'm gonna get some <laughs> PVC and some stuff and some silver spray paint. I'm making that. Oh yes, Stacy in the chat said Mando went from incinerating Jawas to tipping them. <laughs> and here's a little something for your trouble, bud. Sorry, I incinerated your cousins. Well, he, he's he's learning. He's learning. Like think about how much he hated droids, and now he's he's fine with them. You know, like he's that's true. He's a learning man. How smooth? Smooth as a gonk scoop jack. <laughs> She's got a lot of one-liners, that one. So good. You a legend for that one, fam. Oh, wait, I think Din said that, but yes. Either way. The, yeah. Dude, the two of them together, they're just so good. electric. The N1 test flight goes through the pod racing course in Beggar's Canyon, just like the Phantom Menace. Obviously, Beggar's Canyon, originally mentioned by Luke in A New Hope. That was so sick. And dude, the fact that, the fact that he navigates that canyon at that speed, I will talk more about this later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, leading into the sequels, dude. That's, yeah. yeah. The pilot opposite of Carson Teva, his, uh, his wingman, that dude is the face double for Luke in season two, the finale of The Mandalorian. Oh, that's very cool. Good for that guy. More on that later. Why is he there? Why is he on set? Why is he still around? Now, now I have all, <laughs> these, all these things. My marbles are bouncing around in my head right now. How was it? Pelly says to Din. Din says... Wizard. <laughs> Just like uh, Kitster, Anakin's little friend in The Phantom Menace. And dude, if you think about it, that's a term from when they were kids. Still say it like we're still saying rad and whatever, you know? Say Kawabunga yesterday, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and lastly, in the den, Din says, as it's all wrapping up, before he agrees to go work for Boba Fett, first, I need to pay a visit to a little friend. That's just like Luke after the, the first act of Return of the Jedi, when he's, everyone's going to the rendezvous point, and he says, no, I need to go meet up with an old friend. Same thing. He's going off course to meet up with the little green dude. Yep. It's like poetry. It rhymes. I love you. I know. Favorite quote, favorite moment, favorite scene, one, one of each, whatever you want. What do you, what do you guys think? Yeah, I, I was going to say, I, I'm going to go... I'm going to go with the whole thing, including the ending with the armorer sort of passing her verdict, the fight between Din and Paz Vizsla. That was definitely my favorite scene, but I don't know. There's also something favorite to me about how much the Jedi and the force were talked about also in that, in that moment, really tying back into core Star Wars felt really good in this episode. So I loved that as well. But they're kind of kind of the same. It's kind of the, the same sequence. But the fight scene was amazing. Next level. I think I was most pumped. I was pumped the whole time. Great episode. I think I was most pumped about just just seeing any of that footage of Mandalore. You know, Night of a Thousand Tears. Yeah, that, that seemed yeah, very much dude, so yeah. in my head. Just learning about it for the past two years. I just want to know what that looked like, and there it was. The tie bombers yeah. overhead, like the Battle of Britain style. It was just amazing. I'm torn because I was feeling all the same thing that you guys were. And being a huge Terminator fan, I was just like, oh my God, I was like <laughs> losing my mind when that was happening. But I think Din coming back to Pelly's place, revealing that Starfighter, being super stoked about something from a Phantom Menace of all things, watching them build it, you know, the maker in me was just like so pumped to see that montage of build. I love building montages. And then his test flight, which was so top gun. And then he lands and she asks how it was. And he goes wizard. Like, <laughs> I think that whole sequence is my favorite, but very, very, very close. Second place is the flashback of the night of a thousand tears. So dope. They did such a good job. I also have a favorite quote. Pelly coming with the wit again. <laughs> Those J-type pulse engines really tighten the old evacuation port, don't they? Ooh, that one <laughs> fucking up my butthole. <laughs> but then she, she's, doesn't she reference it again saying you're going to evacuate? Basically, she says you're going to shit your pants. Yeah, I guess, I guess so. And then at the end, she says, you know, like, basically like when you hit the gas. That you're going to evacuate your whatever. They tighten up the old evacuation port. Yeah. You know, clench the butthole. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a clench your butthole and then a evacuate your butthole joke. Yeah. Pretty sure. <laughs> All right, let's wrap up. What uh, what did we predict last week? Do we have anything? Do we have anything to recap on? I mean, I think that sort of the primary prediction was that Din was going to show up. 
Yeah, there we go. Confirmed. We still don't know what's up with the huts. We'll find out hopefully in these next two episodes or they won't show up. Maybe it's not a red herring. Maybe they're really out. We don't know what's up with the Rancor and the Rancor Keeper yet, whether or not that's legit. Hopefully it is. And Din's going to be riding that thing. The warrior Tuscan woman, not dead. Maybe we'll see her. And then the quote, what about the scars on the inside? That's season two, as far as I'm concerned. What do you guys think? And Nick, you have thoughts about the deep fake dude and uh, the guy who was Luke's body double. Let's speculate. Let's do it. I think there there could be something here, speculation-wise, or connecting the dots behind the scenes. You have this uh, Luke's or Mark Hamill's like face double, basically, who is now an X-Wing pilot. So he's already on the payroll. Maybe he's on the set already. So they're just like, just let's use him for this X-Wing thing. But maybe he's on set because he's doing more Luke stuff. And that just made me remember that it's been right under our noses this whole time that Lucasfilm hired the dude who upgraded the chapter 16 Luke footage that Lucasfilm made, they hired the dude who made that footage better. So they must have a use for him. And a bunch of other things. He he did the Leia thing. He put mm-hmm. Harrison Ford on Alden's face. So I, I feel like I get the sense that Lucasfilm is, is like, hey, we're going to load the bases. Let's call this guy in to hit a grand slam. You know, like I think this dude gets something or knows how to do something we don't know how to do. And we could get it to the line and he's going to get us over the, the line. That just makes me think like, why couldn't you then have more Luke even more so than we got? Like maybe he could be in a whole episode, but then if you could do Luke... Why couldn't you do Leia? Why couldn't you do Han? Why couldn't you do a young Ben Solo? Like there's, Mm. if they've really in the last year tried to figure out how to take what they gave us and do more with it, we all might die. (laughs) Our brains might explode, pour out of our nose, and we might die and not have a podcast anymore because we'll be dead. I just hope that they have Disney Plus in heaven. (laughs) Please don't die. (laughs) Ryan, what about you? I just want to see... I don't even know that I can predict this. I guess I just hope. I hope that the subtle connection made this week with the Force and the Jedi, just I hope I hope that carries on. As I said earlier in the show, I want to see a world where Din doesn't go back. I don't want season three to be about how he becomes a Mandalorian again. Since it's the final season, that doesn't really make sense even to me. I think there's more, you know, there's more finality to he's not a Mandalorian anymore. So what is he, right? And we actually get to see Pedro Pascal acting the role of Din Djarin more. And there's some level of force sensitivity that carries us on. And, and you know, and in the end, you want like Din to sacrifice himself in some way, right? Like there's some glorious finale where that, that also hope projection, I don't know, connects to the sequels, like we said tonight. I don't know, in just some cool way where he he falls on the sword to sacrifice himself for Grogu or the Force in some way. That's where I hope it's going. Book of Boba Fett? I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. (laughs) But this wasn't an episode of Book of Boba Fett. It was an episode of The Mandalorian. (laughs) So that's where my head's at right now. Well, dude, like I said at the top, it's all of it. It's all one giant story. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I agree with that. So I'm going to spew out a whole bunch of stuff, hopefully in a cohesive manner. Probably not. Because it's all coming together, I'm thinking, uh, first I'll do season two of The Book of Boba Fett. I think this one is going to end with Mace Windu showing up. So I think all of season two of The Book of Boba Fett will be about dealing with his scars on the inside. They didn't drop that line for no reason. Mm -hmm. These flashbacks, all the stuff about Kamino, that's not there for no reason. He's still hung up on losing his father, not, not having that father figure in his life. He's had this life of crime, all this crazy stuff. That's season two. The Mandalorian season three will be all about the rebuilding and the fight for Mandalore, Bo-Katan, the armorer, Paz Vizsla, especially Paz Vizsla coming from the house that created the Darksaber from the very beginning. Like the conflict is all set up to be so sick. We've got the Ahsoka series. Ahsoka has strong ties to Mandalore. She spent a lot of time there. She had those relationships with, um, with Bo-Katan and Satine and Sabine Wren. Like all, all of these folks, she has relationships with them. That's where she fought Darth Maul, who ruled Mandalore for a while. What a scene. So she's so directly tied to it. Maul, of course, ties to Kira. So that brings in the solo stuff, which brings in our boy Harrison Ford, deep fake DH, just like Mark Hamill. 
with Nick's boy Shamook from YouTube, the deepfake wizard. <laughs> Din and Ahsoka are both sort of ostracized by their people, yet ironically, they are the best of their kind. You know, Ahsoka is the Jedi poster child, what you should be, which informs everything about who Rey is and what that whole era is. Din Djarin is the same with the Mandalorians and what this whole new era of Mandalore will be or the Mandalorian tradition. And going back to the one who created, this is to your idea, Ryan, the one who created the Darksaber was both Mandalorian and Jedi. Yes. I mean, they said that for a reason. Those two together, Ahsoka and him, both Force-sensitive, both ostracized, both the best of their people, these three, four shows, whatever, are all one big story. And it's so sick, and I think it's all going to happen. Oh, oh, also, Omega. You know, Omega and whoever of the Bad Batch has survived becoming part of the the new Mandalore and the new Mandalorian tradition. I think it's all there. Or at least informing it through those interactions and conflicts and experiences. Sound possible or like total bullshit? I, I hope that the people who are writing this stuff are as smart as you. <laughs> hope they're listening to our podcast <laughs> to confirm how smart they are. Yeah. I, I don't think you do this week's episode if you're not if, if you're if you are incorrect, Adam. Yeah. You don't you don't do a complete hour long crossover not <laughs> featuring the main character of the show you're watching if you're not trying to lay down mm-hmm. you know, just drop some knowledge like, hey, by the way, we've had this planned out all along and it's all one giant story connected. Grogu, Ahsoka, Boba Fett, Cal, BD. That's all dude, it is. I mean, they're they are really tying it all. They're tying all of this skywalker adjacent all of these skywalker adjacent stories that matter so much they're tying them all together and i think that was the plan all along this is some kevin feige level shit dude Mm -hmm. it's happening i just hope it's as efficient as marvel like i like think about really once you knew infinity war was coming how quickly it came it wasn't like too quick i mean just infinity war and endgame were not even a year apart right Like, I hope that we're not still waiting for the meat of this story in five years. Well, this year is stacked. Yep. So even if we do have to wait that long, at least we'll have a ton of awesome stuff in the meantime. All right, let's wrap it up. If you want more Thank the Maker content, we have two other podcasts on the network. We have the Armor Party podcast hosted by Mike Forrester. That's all about Star Wars costuming. We have Princess and Scoundrel, which is about Galaxy's Edge and Disney Park going. That's hosted by two-time guest of this podcast, Sarah Maciel and her husband, Stephen Maciel. Their second episode dropped this past Tuesday. They alternate Armor Party and Princess and Scoundrel on Tuesdays. Check them out anywhere you listen to podcasts. Oh, Princess and Scoundrel is also on YouTube. So they're better at video than we are, apparently. Thank the maker merch. We are so sorry to everybody who ordered merch. We had that amazing Anakin design. We were super pumped and uh, something happened. Uh, we don't know what's going on. We're trying to sort it out, but we're going to be switching merch companies. So we're sorry for anyone who ordered that and had it refunded. Uh, we're happy that you got your money back and it didn't just not show up, but we're going to relaunch some things. That shirt being one that will absolutely be on the menu. Thank you for your support. New Blouse is coming soon. If you want to follow the podcast on social media, you can follow us on Instagram at thankthemakerpod, on Twitter at thankthemaker. My stuff is all at Adam the Skull. Mine is at William Ryan Key. All my socials are at Nick Bayside. Episode 30 of the Radio Radio Show is out now, and I debunk every rumor about the When We Were Young Festival. (laughs) I'm listening. Because everything that you might have heard is absolutely ridiculously wrong and not coming from the brain of anyone even remotely adjacent (laughs) to the music industry. So It's truth. If you would like to listen to somebody who's in a band and who's been in a band for 20-something years. And who's playing the festival. I might, I might know what I'm talking about. So if you want to feel a little bit better about the When We Were Young Festival. <laughs> Typical Live Nation shill, dude. <laughs> for real, do yourself a favor and listen to Nick talk about this because there's some real, really dumb stuff floating around. The dumbest stuff ever. Also, if you want to support this podcast, you can share this podcast on social media. You can actually support us directly on Anchor. You can subscribe there. That's just a straight up like, here's a tip. Thank you for doing what you do kind of thing. Or you can go to patreon.com slash thank the maker pod. There are three different tiers, three different ways to support us there. And you get different things at each tier. It's pretty cool. I would say it's pretty cool. You're pretty cool. Hey, you are. (laughs) This was a longer episode, but I had a good time. I hope you had a good time listening. Dudes, thanks for hanging out. 
You're welcome. <laughs> Lit. <laughs> Patrons, thanks for being here with us. And until next week, may the force be with you. 